Hey, good morning, church. My name is Daniel. I'm the pastor here. I want to welcome you and just thank you for joining us today for worship. I hope you have a Bible handy. If you don't have one, grab one um, in your house there. And if, if you don't have one in your house, feel free to use the Bible app or just slide over if you're watching on our website. We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13 as it were read to you earlier, and we're going to be talking about this series, uh, Abide, This is the Way, and we're talking about abiding in prayer. And if you're just joining us, your first Sunday, very first time here, welcome. We have prayed for you. We are grateful that you're here, and uh, love for you to connect with us, reach out to us. We have a text number for our office. Love for you to text us. Uh, you can text the word CONNECT to 757 757- Two three nine thirty nine ninety three, and uh, and just the word connect, and uh, we're not going to spam you or anything like that. It just helps us be able to connect with you. If you have questions, you can ask those via text. It's awesome, and um, and for everybody, uh, you can text the word if you have a prayer request. You can text the word pray to that same number seven five seven. 293-3993. And it's just a way for our church to communicate, and I love to pray for you. So again, hopefully you had a chance to grab your Bible as we navigate this series here called This is the Way. And it's taken from this TV series called The Mandalorian. And if you don't know anything about a Mandalorian, he is a Star Wars character. We'll show you a picture of him. This is what he looks like here holding what we would call Baby Yoda. And uh, this Star Wars character, the Mandalorian, part of the phrase that they use all the time is, uh, this is the way. What does that mean? It means this is the way the Mandalorians, they have this code of living, a, a, a lifestyle. One of the codes is he can't remove his helmet in front of any living thing. And anytime they uh, talk about that code, they all kind of together in unison say, this is the way. And that's uh, pretty cool. Um, but in one of the episodes, in fact, in season one, episode two, um, the Mandalorian is attacked uh, by some Jawas, who are another Star Wars character, little guys um, with red beady eyes, and they wear these hoods, and they steal his ship, and he is without his ship and stuff that he needs, and, uh, and so he has to go and um, get his ship, the parts of his ship back from these sort of thieves, and uh, in order to do that, they want his armor, which he can't give because this is the way a Mandalorian can never part with his armor, um, or he can fight this giant thing called a mudhorn. We'll show you a picture of this mudhorn. It's like a giant rhinoceros-looking thing, and um, the, the mudhorn uh, is just tearing up the Mandalorian. I mean, he is knocking him one way down and the other, smashing him. In fact, he smashes his very precious armor. This is something uh, about the Mandalorians. And as he's fighting this uh, Mudhorn, uh, he, he is just getting beat up. And Baby Yoda, who he has sort of captured, actually helps and saves him. And Baby Yoda uses his force powers and lifts this Mudhorn up, as you can see in the picture. And he's sort of floating in the air and, uh, and basically saves the Mandalorian from certain death. Now, you might be saying, Pastor, why are you telling me this crazy story here? Well, uh, a couple of reasons. Uh, because in this uh, particular episode, and then in the next episode, when he gets new armor uh, from his payment from delivering Baby Yoda to a person who was going to buy him, and uh, he, he, he has to 
tell the story of what happened. They said, what happened? What messed up your armor? And, um, you know, you got all this money to buy this new armor. What happened? And, uh, and they said, well, uh, the Mandalorian says, well, you know, I had to kill this mud horn. And they said, oh, cool. We'll put that on your signet, which is kind of like a symbol on his armor. And, um, and actually he says, no, you can't put it on my armor because it wasn't an honorable kill. And, uh, and part of the Mandalorian code is their honor in war. And he says it wasn't an honorable kill. And so the, the lady, the sort of boss lady, if you will, says, why wasn't it an honorable kill? And he says, well, I was helped out by an enemy. And, um, and they say, you know, this is the way. Uh, again, it's this way that they live. And so he had a dishonorable kill because he was helped by an enemy. And uh, how does that tie into us as Christians? Well, it, early in the Bible, Christians weren't first called Christians. They were called followers of the way. You see that all throughout the book of Acts before they were called Christians eventually. And, um, and why did they call them followers of the way? Because Christians weren't just religious people, but they were people who followed the ways of Jesus. And, um, and because they looked like Jesus, acted like Jesus, talked like Jesus, and followed his ways, they were called followers of the way. And man, I hope that's true of you and me, that we are called followers of the ways of Jesus. We apprentice ourselves. We are learners, disciples of the ways of Jesus, not just people doing religious rituals. And, um, and that is no more clearly seen than in the issue of prayer. And so last week, if you joined us, we talked about this. We actually went through this, uh, the beginning part of this passage. Again, it's a very familiar passage, maybe a passage that people have memorized. Uh, it goes by different names. Some people call it the Lord's Prayer. Some people call it Our Father. And you may be familiar with the words, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And there's a couple of different versions of it, just depending on you know, which version of the Bible you may have memorized it from. But as we talked about this thing of prayer, we're saying prayer is one of the ways in which a Christian needs to live. It's kind of like to use the quote from Martin Luther King Jr. is that prayer is like our breath. You can't be alive without breathing and you can't be a Christian without praying, without talking to God. And of course, the Bible says we're to talk to God all throughout the day. We're to pray without ceasing. But the question I asked last week, and I'm going to continue to ask this week, is how is your prayer life? And do you have a dedicated time of prayer, a time where you set aside your day to get in a quiet space? Uh, Maybe it's in your car. Maybe it's in your room. Uh, It could be out on a walk, and you really just talk with the Father. Let me recap last week. This is sort of the phrase we left with before we really dug into the meat of the text. And the phrase uh, that we had last week is we said, do pray, do pray um, using a loose structure. Don't pray just by reciting meaningless words. And that came from the verse um, in the text where, where Jesus actually talks about don't pray like the Gentiles who just think they'll be heard for their many words. And they kind of think that if they say the right words or they recite the right lines, they will gain God's favor. No, the Bible tells us God is our father and he loves to hear his children talk to him just in a very natural way. And so if you're trying to figure out how to pray, you don't know a whole lot about the Bible or church or faith. um, And you're like, I don't know how to pray to God. It's just like talking. And um, and you can talk to God. He he is a father who loves to hear his children 
talk to him. We are recording this service, and just beforehand, Miss Amanda uh, and her family were here with little cute baby Lauren, and, uh, and little Lauren was babbling, and she was beginning to say, dad, 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 dad. It was so adorable. And I know her family just goes bananas whenever she speaks and says those words, and they're just so excited to hear her speak. Can I tell you that God is infinitely more excited to hear his children speak to him? He loves to hear you. And, um, and so we are to be people of prayer. This is the way. And so go ahead and put it in the chat. Prayer, this is the way. Go ahead and take some time, type it out. If you hadn't had a chance to introduce yourself, do that as well. But prayer, this is the way. This is necessary. This is how Christians live. And, um, and the first part of the series was the scripture. This is the way. We need to have the scripture in our lives, the Bible, memorizing it, reading it, meditating on it. And now it's prayer. And, and these, um, these rhythms in our life of daily including scripture and prayer into our lives are necessary for us to live and thrive. The word abide means remain or live in, draw our strength from. And we can't do anything uh, according to the words of Jesus in John 15. We can't do anything apart from him. And so we want to be people who stay connected. That's what the word abide means. We stay connected to God all throughout the day. And so we're going to look at this text here, and I want to give you a couple of points as we talk about how to really... um, use a loose structure. And I believe this prayer, our Father who art in heaven, is kind of a, uh, a template for us, if you will. And there's nothing wrong with praying it. Again, f- feel free. I use it. But just don't pray it meaninglessly. And I'm going to give you some ideas today, some very practical things of how to uh, use this as a template for your prayer, helping us all, myself included, have a healthy prayer life. Amen. And so uh, the first point we're going to write down here and we're going to look at is this, this first word I just want you to get in your mind as your template is this, Father, Father. This is the first word just to have in your mind as you begin praying. And so we're going to go through several of these, several sort of blocks or rhythms to your prayer. And, um, and the first one is Father. And so if you're taking notes, write that down. I'm going to show you the text here. And again, you're probably very familiar with it, uh, but notice what it says in the text here, verse nine, it says, pray then like this. And remember last week we said, pray then like this, not pray this specifically, pray then like this, our what? Father, go ahead and say it, our father. Boy, this is a key thing that I just want us to harp on first. So as you're praying, um, and, and I do this, I think about God as my father. I think about his, his character, that, that he loves me, um, and that he is a perfect father. And so we're thinking about father. And I want you to take a moment, even as, as you pray, or even now in this moment, to think about God as your father, the good intentions that he has towards you, the feelings that he has um, towards you. Picture him in your mind's eye. Picture uh, him making eye contact with you, if you will. Father. And, and just, man, um, relish in the fact that you're a son or a daughter of God, a son or a daughter of the king. Man, I'm God's child. I'm not going to be, I'm not an orphan. And so some of us pray like orphans, like, oh, oh, great God, way far off away, and I'm this little beggar orphan, and maybe if you could possibly spare some change for a little orphan like me, instead of being a father. Man, I know when I go to my parents' house, even now, I'm grown, right? But, but I have full rights as a child uh, to go to my parents' house. You know what I start to do? I start to open up the cupboard. I start to uh, open up the refrigerator, you know, because, man, they're still your parents. They, they like to buy the good snacks. You know, I have kids at home, and so, you know, we're on a budget, and so we're buying the generic things, right? 
But, oh, man, parents, once, once they, they don't have kids now somewhere, they, they buy the good stuff. And so, you know, I, I go there still to this day. And uh, that's the privilege I have as a child. And I think, I hope my parents are still okay with that. Uh, every now and then, you know, they, they come over to our house and uh, we'll, we'll love to treat them. But, you know, um, budget-wise, you know, uh, we, we got the basic stuff. But, man, the father loves to take care of his children. Now, listen, I know for many people, um, the idea of father doesn't necessarily bring up um, a good image in your mind. I had a great relationship with my father, and I'm so appreciative of that. But I know that's not everyone's story. And, uh, and I just want to encourage you, if, if that imagery, if that idea of father, this very first point just like causes you to wince, causes you to uh, just be discouraged, can I just tell you and encourage you to, to, to do some work in your heart, uh, to, to talk with me, uh, to talk with another person you respect spiritually, talk with a counselor to help you deal with some of the pain that has come in your past from your father. Because if, if that's how you view God, that's really going to affect your relationship with him if you think he's just like uh, your earthly father. And so I, I've heard this one idea. It says, go ahead and take the picture of your earthly father, whether it was a good father, a great father, or a terrible father, and go ahead and explode that picture by infinity so you can picture your true heavenly father. And I just want you to know that Jesus knows there are imperfect fathers. In fact, he would go on to say and talk about this uh, just a couple chapters later in the book of Matthew. In Matthew 7, I'll read it to you. Uh, Matthew 7 verses 8 through 11 says this, for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. He's actually talking about prayer and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Then verse nine, or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone, right? Could you imagine that? If, if your child asked you for a sandwich and you gave him a stone sandwich, not stone soup, uh, but stone sandwich. And I mean, that would be crazy. That would be absurd, right? You wouldn't just put some, a, a big rock on, on, on some bread and slap some mayonnaise and mustard on it and, and a piece of lettuce um, and say, here you go. No, you wouldn't do that. And then Jesus gives us an even better example or an even creepier example, maybe, depending on, uh, you know, your love of animals or your hatred for animals. Look what he says uh, in verse 10. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent or a snake, right? Nobody is making their kid snake tacos, right, with live snakes in there, right? Nobody's just throwing a snake on the dinner table and letting it squirm around if that's what your child asks. And, um, and so Jesus is saying, no father would do that. And then he says this. If you then who are evil, if you then who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Watch, what does it say? How much, what? More, go ahead and say it out loud. How much more, or put it in the chat. How much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Oh my goodness, what a powerful verse. And, uh, and notice here, Jesus is, is saying, uh, notice again, this is the words of God, uh, reminding us that all human beings, all fathers, all mothers, good, in the middle, terrible, all of us, according to the word of God, are imperfect. We are evil compared to the, the righteousness of God. And he says this, listen, how much more will your heavenly father, okay? And so just think about 
your parents. And, and again, did they give you a stone? Maybe some of you didn't get a stone. I don't know. I know there have been some extremely tragic situations as I've been a pastor now for many years, and I've heard heartbreaking things. But, but even in those cases, there were instances of, of love. And he's saying, listen, even in the worst case, Imagine how much more your heavenly father. And so the first sort of block that we're thinking about is this, our father, that we are sons and daughters of the king and he is our father. And so we think through that. The second sort of block we want you uh, to navigate is this, heaven, heaven. That's just a word you could write down there, heaven. And that comes again right from the text. Our father who art in heaven or our father in heaven. Heaven. It's as simple as that. And, and, and what does this mean? Our Father in heaven. Well, it's this reminder that God rules. When we talk about the heavens, it's sort of this hierarchy of ruling over all things in all of creation. He reigns. He is supreme. There is nothing outside of the scope of God's plan and his hands. He hasn't just set the world into motion and he's off somewhere. No, he is, he is managing it. He is managing the universe and is taking care of it. And he rules over all of it. But there's an interesting thing when you look up this word heaven in uh, the original language and how it's also used in the Bible, the word heaven is also used for air, the very air we breathe. And so in my mind, it even brings up this idea that God is near. Yes, he's in heaven. And sometimes when we think about, oh, God is in heaven, he's like way off yonder in heaven. Heaven's so far away. But no, the, the word heaven often refers to air and the, the very air we breathe. God is nearer to us than the very air we breathe. Our Father in heaven. So he, he rules and he reigns, but he's also near. And so as you're praying, and this is how I do it. In fact, I've used this uh, as, as a prayer template, as a prayer springboard. I don't just recite the words, but I may say, Our Father. And I may just pray that over myself and say, God, thank you for being my Father. Thank you that I'm a son. If I'm praying for someone else, I might say, Lord, thank you for Connor, thank you for Miss Jerry. Thank you for Miss Jean. And, and may they know that um, you are their father. May they know they're a son or a daughter of the king. And then as I go about in heaven, I may say, may they know, may, may um, Miss Jean, may Miss Dottie and Mr. Bill, may, may they know, may Patrick know that, God, you're in heaven and you reign, but you're also near to them. And so you can pray for others. You can pray for yourself using this as a springboard, thinking about the words that you're praying, not just reciting meaningless words, but using it as a template. And so that, that word there is heaven. And so take a moment to think about the idea that God is, is near, even nearer than your breath. So that's the second word. So the first word is father. Second word is heaven. The third word uh, or movement I want to give you is really this, the name, the name, right? The name, you could write that down. It's nice and easy. Again, just looking back at the text there, we're still in verse 9, right? Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What does that mean, hallowed? Hallowed is not really a word we use a whole lot. Maybe the only time you, you hear any relation or notice any relation is like Halloween, but actually means set apart or holy, distinct. And so it's God's name. God, I want your name to be holy. God, I want to be holy. And, and God, as I think about your name, as I think about your character, God, you're consistent. God, you're compassionate. God, you're, you're caring. You're competent. That is who God is. And so I just begin to think about his character. God, hallowed is your name. I think about me wanting to revere and honor, God, your name, to cherish your name above all other names, God. 
And I even think about the scripture gives many different facets of the character of God. It gives his name. Here are some of the names of God. Abba is in the scripture. Abba, Abba Father means daddy or, or it means loving daddy, loving Father or El Day, which means the God who knows everything. And, and people would often kind of uh, get this name of God based upon the situation that they were in. Sometimes they were in a very difficult situation and God saw, uh, saw their situation. One lady said, you are the God who sees me. I, I now realize that you see me. You're the God who sees. Uh, there's Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha, which means the God who heals you. How many of us need some healing, physical healing? Man, emotional healing. And, and we get to say that's the character. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. God, your name is Jehovah Rapha. You are the God who heals. God, bring healing to my family member. That is your name. That's your character, God. And, uh, and so I just begin to think about the character of God. You see how this works? It's a template for me to use. There is El Shaddai, which means God Almighty with all the power. There is uh, Jehovah Jireh, which means God who is my provider. Jehovah Jireh, God, I know you're going to provide for me. There is Jehovah Shalom. You may have heard that word Shalom before. It means the God who is my peace, that I now have peace in a situation that doesn't make any sense to anyone else. But God, I've got peace in the middle of it. Then there is Jehovah Sedeknu, which means God, my righteousness. God, I'm righteous now. Even though I have messed up, I am not righteous at all. But God, you are my righteousness. And so all prayer is really based upon how much we know God. And the more we get to know God revealed through the scriptures, man, the more and deeper our prayer lives will go. And so our Father, our Father in heaven, hallowed, holy is your name. Your character is amazing. And so you just spend a few minutes sitting with the Father in joyful, grateful worship, just thinking about his name. God, you are all these things, thinking about his character, um, re, you know, kind of reciting them to yourself. Recital off maybe a few things that you're grateful for. God, I'm just grateful that you are my provider. God, I'm grateful you're my healer. God, I'm grateful you're my peace. Maybe you just even want to sit in silence and not say anything and be in awe of God. Some people have said that silence is the greatest uh, compliment, the highest respect. I heard the story about uh, pastor and author Max Lucado. He's written, I mean, probably hundreds of books, and he's a great storyteller. Before he was a pastor, he was a missionary in Brazil, and uh, he was taking his family. His mom had come to visit him. He was taking his family uh, to see one of the waterfalls there uh, called uh, I Iguazu Falls, and, and one of the highest waterfalls in the earth. Uh, two times higher than Niagara Falls. I mean, just massive amounts of water. And so he's, of course, young and excited to take his mom on this trip. And they're walking through the jungle on their hike up to the falls. And he's giving them his very, um, you know, elaborate, um, you know, biology lesson of South America. And this is that and this is this. And, and when we get to the falls, you're going to see this. And he's all, you know, just proud guy and um and but there is this noise in the background and he keeps having to talk over the noise he keeps having to shout hey mom look at this tree over here hey ch check out this and he's just like man what is this noise i am trying to give this lecture to these people so they'll be impressed and um and there is this noise drowning out what i'm trying to explain he goes on to say this um the the his words were drowned out by the force and the fury of what he was trying to to describe it, it, even if he could be heard he no longer had an audience because as they walked to an opening now his family and his mother saw the glory 
and the power. And, and it was just like rushing water and these massive waterfalls. And um, he no longer had an audience. They weren't listening to anything he had to say. He goes on to write this. Even his own mother would rather see the splendor than hear his description. So he shut his mouth. There are times when to speak is to violate the moment. And silence represents the highest respect. And so sometimes our prayer time just needs to be some quiet listening. Again, we said prayer is a conversation, not a ceremony. And in a conversation, there's talking and there's listening. And I just want to encourage you, may you add some time of silence to your prayer, saying, God, what are you telling me to do today? God, what are you saying to me? What do you want to say to me? And so add a piece of silence. And so that's the word there. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be the name. Your name is great. God, I want to revere your name. God, I want to be holy. Your name is holy. It's set apart. It's different. It's other. Then the next one is this. Number four is kingdom. Kingdom, sort of the fourth movement in your time of prayer. Again, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to give you a template for how you structure your time of prayer. And this is necessary. This is the way. For Christians. So the word is kingdom. And again, it comes from the text. We're now in verse 10 where it says this, your kingdom come, your kingdom come and your will be what? Done on earth as it is in heaven. Kingdom. And this is the time where we pray, God, I want your kingdom to come on earth. God, I want your will to be done in my life. God, I, I, I want your will to be done in Miss Cece's life. God, I, I want your will to be done in, in Martha Lee's life. God, I want your will to be done in Mike's life. God, I want your will to be done in Ellie's life and in Jess's life. God, may your kingdom come, Lord. I, I just, I, I want it to come in Luis's life and Ampy's life. God, I mean, I mean, God, I want your will to be done. And, and listen, this is, again, this is a, a format that I use. And I, I pray this over you and my family and those I know. Uh, God, I'm asking for your will to be done. Not my will. God, whatever, because I know that your will is better than mine. I know that your plans are higher than mine. And so again, God, may your kingdom come. And God, may your kingdom come and break through for my family where there is darkness. God, may your kingdom come and bring light and beauty and presence. God, we can pray this for our nation. God, may your kingdom break through in our nation. God, may your will be done in our nation. Please, Lord Jesus, so that the word is kingdom, praying for specific things for our, our city. God, for our church, God, may your will be done in our church, in our city, in our neighborhoods. And so that the word is kingdom. Then moving on, uh, the next word here is needs, needs. Now, typically, this is where uh, I would usually spend the bulk of my prayer before I really learned how to um, uh, have a better template looking at the ways of Jesus. And, um, and typically, we treat prayer like a wish list, like God is a genie, and I just rub God, and I go through a perfunctory prayer, and I just tell him all these things that I need. And, um, and of course, that's not wrong. That is a part of our prayer. But listen, if that's the only part of our prayer, think about if your family only called you when they needed something. They never called you because they wanted to be in your presence and talk to you and, and have a conversation, not a ceremony, right? They want to have a relationship, not just a ritual. And so there is a time for telling God our needs. He loves to hear our needs. But if that's the only thing we do, then we miss out on the bulk of prayer. This is just one part of it. And so there is a time to ask for those needs. Again, looking back at the text, says this, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread, our daily bread. And, and these are the needs for today. 
Jesus said, listen, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough trouble in and of itself. But these are daily bread. And bread really is this kind of symbolic picture of the needs, right? Bread is used throughout the Bible for a number of figure and symbolic ideas. But here it kind of represents the needs. We, we need food to eat. And every one of us has needs. And God has promised to meet our needs. He may not always meet our wants, but he will give us our needs. And this is where we ask God, God, these are the things I believe I need. And, and if you've already prayed for God's will to be done, then listen, you can ask, hey, Lord, I, I really believe I need this. And nevertheless, your will be done. Your kingdom come uh, on earth as it is in heaven. And so maybe your, your, your needs are financial. Maybe your needs is wisdom and, and intelligence for a decision you got to make. Maybe your needs are more physical and healing. Maybe your needs are emotional because you're just feeling down and discouraged in the middle of all that's going on around you. And you can bring that to God. Someone once said this, imagine, um, what would you rather have? There are two choices here. Would you rather have um, um, a warehouse full of bread, a warehouse full of bread, or would you rather have a generous and rich father who is a bread maker? Which would you rather have, a warehouse full of bread or a generous and rich father who is a bread maker? maker. This is the focus on our daily needs, the needs for today. See, a lot of us, we try to get stuff and put it in a warehouse and we, and we try to store up and, and hold on to what we got and, and store stuff away and, and, and be all prepared and, and make a, a, a contingency plan for every issue and all that sort of stuff. And I got all this stuff in a warehouse and, and, and God, I don't really need you. I just need the warehouse. And God is saying, no, no, I, I want you to come to me every day. What do you need today? I'm your father and, and I have the storehouses upon storehouses that make your storehouse look puny. The Bible says he will meet all of our needs according to his riches in Christ. Imagine you had a father, a generous, loving, rich father who is a bread maker. He'd make you bread for the next five billion years. And this is who our father is. He would love to give us even more than we know how to ask for. I heard this story, uh, actually, uh, uh, Pastor Adrian Rogers told about a story when he was in seminary. He was living in uh, an apartment on someone else's property, and, um, and the guy uh, next door to him would give him sea bags. I think some of y'all know what a sea bag is. Military personnel uses a big canvas bag, almost up to my waist. He would give him sea bags of oranges from his orange trees, and he would take them to college and give them to his roommates, and he couldn't give enough of those oranges away, he would have to take those heavy sea bags and take them and put them in his closet and they would sit there. And he said, half of them would rot because I gave them to every professor, to every student I could think of. And I got this closet full, still full, two sea bags full of oranges. I can't eat enough of them. I'm about to go orange myself. And, um, and he said, then one day I was sitting up in, in the apartment over the garage and I was doing some work and I saw this little boy from down the street. And I saw him climbing over the fence and he was climbing over the fence and he was stealing an orange. He said, but this little boy was at the wrong tree. He said he was at a sour orange tree. Now, listen, I've never had a sour orange, but according to Adrian Rogers, he said sour oranges are nasty things, not fit for man nor beast to eat. And he said one bite is so sour to give you lockjaw, just, you know, close you all up. And he said, this little boy was looking all around, climbed over the fence, looked around some more, went around another bush, went around another, and then got to this tree and snagged, you know, two little sour oranges and then took off running. And he said this, he said, God spoke to me and he said, listen, that little boy is often like us. 
We are trying to sneak over and steal the things and, and, and go about getting things in the wrong way, and we don't even know what we are grabbing for. We are oftentimes grabbing some sour oranges. We're about to take something that God didn't want us to have in the first place. When all the time up in the apartment and just a, a, a few yards away, God has a closet full of oranges. Imagine if Adrian Rogers went down with those two sea bags full and dumped that in front of the boy. So many oranges, the boy wouldn't know what to do with. He climbed over the fence to steal two measly oranges. And he says, God has a closet full upon closets full of oranges, of blessings, sweet oranges that you and I don't even know about. Amen to the people who've learned how to wait for God's timing. Amen to the married people who learned how to wait for God to bring you someone uh, who you knew was righteous and godly. Amen to the single folks who are still waiting and, um, you know, and, and just knowing and trusting God's timing. Isn't that right? And so the word here is needs. God, I have some needs. And so you just lay those needs before the Father. And notice also, again, back in the text here, we'll put it on the, on the screen. Notice what it says. It says, give us, give us. It's plural. Give us this day our daily bread, our daily bread. And, and that's a reminder, you can pray for others' needs as well. You shouldn't just be praying for your own needs, but God, I'm praying for my family and my sister and my children. God, meet their needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. And so then the next word is this, forgiveness. Forgiveness, you can write that down, forgiveness. There needs to be a time and part of your prayer where you ask for forgiveness. Notice again what the text says. It says this, and forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And again, the word debt here is really related to sins uh, because anytime we sin, we owe people a debt. We owe God a debt for our sin. And so this idea of God forgive us our trespasses or sins or debts, God forgive us. And so there should be a time of confession in your time of prayer. Now listen, God already knows what you've done. Some people say, Pastor, why do I have to say it? If God already knows it, because it's, it's more about you. It's more about you being honest with yourself. See, the first person we always lie to is ourselves. The first person we sin against is God, but we sin against ourselves and we do things and we try to hide it and pretend that we don't have any issues. And we need to bring that to God, just like I want my kids. I know what my kids, I saw them steal the cookies. I saw them hit his sister or take their doll. I saw it happen, but I want to hear it from your mouth. I want to hear you be able to articulate the truth of what you did so that you can hear it coming out of you. Because when you hear it coming out of you, you are making a confession. The Bible reminds us, confess your sins to one another. Most importantly, confess it to God. And so there should be a time, God, would you forgive me? And then there should be a time where you're making sure your heart is clean. And you have actually done this and you've forgiven other people. Because Jesus connects our forgiveness to are we forgiving others. And so that's important is spend a few minutes asking God for forgiveness and confessing specific areas of your life and releasing those sins. Man, saying, God, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for taking this off of me. Thank you for paying the price for my debt. Boy, forgiveness. And then the last word is this, temptation, temptation. And again, if you're familiar with this passage, you know and understand this, but temptation is the word. The text says this, and lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Spend a few minutes praying against temptation. Uh, or troubles, right? Um, pray for uh, some specific strongholds. God, deliver me because you know I'm about to go into this meeting with my boss today. God, you know that there is my, my cube mate that always 
um, you know, get some ideas. You know, there's this classmate. You know, there's this person at the bus stop. You know, there is this person on the Zoom meeting who never pays attention, and I'm trying to communicate something. They don't pay attention to that Zoom meeting, and I'm ready to reach through the screen and choke them out, right? And, and that's temptation for you, and you need to pray against that before the day gets started and pray against evil powers and wickedness, spiritual, demonic powers going on in our world. God, uh, we don't want evil to pervade. And, and, and especially for ourselves, God, keep me from temptation. And again, we know, according to the scriptures, God never tempts anyone. God is bringing us and strengthening us, and Satan is always putting temptations before us. And so this is not saying, you know, God is leading us into temptation. Uh, it's this reminder that, that with every temptation is a way out. It's this reminder with every temptation, God is giving us an opportunity to develop our spiritual muscles. Every time we say no to temptation, man, we develop faith. We build our spiritual muscles. And God always provides a way out. There's always a way of escape according to the Bible. And so when temptation comes, we pray against that. And our power is in prayer. Our power is in our needs, uh, on our knees. And so we're praying against evil, praying for our community. And so, again, it, it might look like this. I might be, again, going through my needs. I might be uh, asking for forgiveness. I might be uh, dealing with forgiveness with a loved one. And then I'm, I'm going to say, Lord, deliver me from any temptations that are coming today. Or, Lord, you know I have this going on. And so you use this as a template, amen? And so as we wrap this up, how is your prayer life? Do you have a dedicated time? Last week we said that the two keys to success are the same as they were for the scriptures. Number one, have a plan. A lot of praying happens simply because we don't make a plan. So when will you pray? Maybe you're going to talk about this with another Christian, with someone else from our church, someone else in your family, your community group, if you're a part of one. And you're going to talk about, hey, here's my plan. I'm going to pray every night before bed. I'm going to pray during my lunch break. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get up 10 minutes earlier. Uh, again, I'm not saying you got to spend hours in prayer right now. I mean, just set aside a couple minutes and pray this and use it as a template. Don't pray it mindlessly. Go through our Father. God, thank you that you're my Father. In heaven, God, thank you that you reign from heaven and that you're near to me. Uh, God, your name is holy, right? And, and just think about that and, you know, navigate that. It won't take you but just a couple minutes to pray through this and use this as you pray for others. I, I like to pray, I mentioned last week, for different people on different days. I don't try to cover it all in, in one shot. So I might pray for these people in our church on one day, uh, another group of people in our church another day, my family on this day, my extended family on another day. And I mean, I go throughout just to keep myself on different days. On Monday, I pray for this. Tuesdays, I pray for that. Of course, if something comes up, I'm going to pray uh, outside of that schedule. But it helps me to have this plan and, um, and then to persevere. I miss days. You're going to miss days. But the most important thing is, is to remember God loves to spend time with you. And if you're watching this and you're like, you know what, um, man, you know, I, I don't think I know this God in this way you talk about it, Pastor. You talk about a father, talk about him wanting a relationship, not religion. You talk about wanting a conversation, not ceremony. I don't think I know a God like this. And, um, and that's because you may not. The Bible says we each have to make a decision to give our lives to Christ. We have to have this moment where we surrender to him, where we turn from our sins and we repent and we embrace or we trust God. And, and, and the beautiful thing is, listen, this is how God wants you to see him. Are you praying as a child of God? Are you actually a child of God? Some people say, Pastor, I thought we're all children of God. We are all children of God. But the Bible says we have run away from home and we have said, God, forget you. I don't care about you. I don't want to be a part of your family anymore. And so then God is wanting us to come back home. The interesting thing about this is that we are often enemies of God. The Bible declares that because of our sin, every human being is an enemy of God. 
But God wants us to be his children. He's calling us to come back home. I, I was telling you the story about the Mandalorian at the beginning and, um, and navigating, uh, you know, this, this picture here and understanding, you know, what, what, what had happened there. And, and if you remember from the story, um, the Mandalorian has got this little green child. We call him Baby Yoda. And, um, and, and actually, in the first part of the movie, he has hunted Baby Yoda down, and he is bringing him and, and captured him from the safety of the place he is, and he's selling him to the bad guys, uh, to the remnants of the empire. So he has captured Baby Yoda for money. And, um, and when he tells his leader that, yeah, an enemy helped me, he, it's true. Yoda was his, or Baby Yoda was his enemy. And, and yet, but here is this picture, though. What did Baby Yoda do? Baby Yoda reached out his hand to save the one who captured him, the one who was mistreating him, the one who was going to sell him. And he reached out his hand and he used his power to rescue him from that massive mudhorn. Oh my goodness, how this is a picture of, I think, the gospel is that we have hated God. We have walked away from God. We were his children and we said, get out of my face. And yet God has still reached out his hand and given us blessing, given us life. And most of all, given us his son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for every man, woman, boy, girl. And he reached out his hand to bless us, reached out his hand to protect us, just like Yoda did with that big old mud horn. And, and sin was about to destroy us all like a mud horn. And God lifted it out of our lives. And see, the Mandalorian had to make a choice. He actually sold baby Yoda uh, after that. I hope I'm not ruining any of the series for anybody. Uh, but then after that, his heart broke down and he went back and he started this relationship with baby Yoda. And that's exactly what every person needs to do. If that's you and that describes you, man, we would love to lead you in a prayer. And, um, and what is prayer? Just as we've been talking, it is a conversation. And uh, these are not magic words. You could recite these words and never mean it. But if you mean this, God hears you and you become his child. You go from his enemy to his friend. You go from a runaway to back again. And God welcomes you into his home. You might want to pray something just like this. You could pray it at your home, right, wherever you're at, on your drive. Don't close your eyes. Just You could say these words, and if they express your heart, God would hear you. You might want to say something like this. Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I admit that I've sinned against you. I admit that I've sinned against you. God, I'm sorry for my sins. God, I'm sorry for my sins. But I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose again on the third day. I believe you rose again on the third day. God, I want to give my life to you. God, I want to give my life to you. I surrender it all today. I surrender it all today. Thank you for making me your child. Thank you for making me your child. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, welcome to the family. Welcome back home. As we say often around here at Plaza, God is celebrating. The Bible says the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner than than 99 righteous persons. God has been looking for you. You are his child. And you can say, actually, these words very specifically, our father now. You're part of the family. He's my father. Before I'd run away, he wasn't my father. I had looked for someone else, but now he is my father. The Bible says this, you are a child of God. There's a little notification in the chat. They'd love for you to click the raise hand or fill out a connection card. Let us know you made this decision. Again, we don't want to spam you or anything like that. We just want to give you a way to continue to grow in this relationship because we all need to grow, amen, in Scripture and in prayer. And so this week, navigate your prayer life because abiding in Christ through prayer, this is the way. We love you, church.